We are huge fans of counseling. You're a better person because of counseling, Brian. Well, that's true. No, but it is true. <laughs> yeah. Just ask my wife. But no, no, and we advocate for this strongly. Yes, I we think do. we're in an era where it's much more acceptable, but I, I think followers of Christ in, in droves need to really throw themselves into this. I think lack of dealing with mental health issues keeps us from intimacy with Jesus. Amen. And I think I've made seismic leaps in my faith uh, through just dealing with my own problems. Yeah. Mercy is the goal. And I love Hosea 6 6. God desires mercy more than sacrifice. Caring for someone with dementia is a sacrifice. While our intent is not to display, I'm frustrated with you, you're making me crazy, or, you know, enough, we can do that just through the frustration of the moment. The world around us is full of false choices. That temptation to be us versus them, for or against, in or out. But what does it really look like for followers of Jesus to engage in the messiness of life, the gray issues of faith, to truly allow our lives to conform to the gospel? Join us as we try to figure it out. We are the Brian and Janelle Podcast. Hey there, Brian and Janelle podcast listeners. Brian here with a quick item for you before we get to the main content in today's episode. I'm super excited to tell you about a brand new podcast series I created in partnership with Moody Radio that's available starting right now. It's called The Grandfather Effect. And here's the quick backstory. I only have really one strong memory of my paternal grandfather, Tom. And it was when my dad and I were standing shoulder to shoulder in a crowded room right in front of his open casket. And I remember standing there a bit mystified because, you see, Grandpa Tom had lived only about 15 miles away from my house growing up. And yet I never saw him. He never talked to me, called me, never came to birthday parties. He was no part of our life. He had disowned my family when I was about three years old and my family was left with lots of questions. Because from our perspective, the reason he disowned us didn't seem to make much sense. The circumstances were so seemingly trivial, it just didn't add up. So what happened? Well, about five years ago, I decided to try to find out. And that journey became much more complicated than I could have possibly imagined. And I chronicled the entire thing with a recorder in my hand and take you along in the journey. The podcast series is called The Grandfather Effect. Would you consider giving it a listen? I'd be super grateful for your support. And if you like what you hear, maybe you'd be willing to leave a a nice review or even tell a friend about it. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Joining us live on the show is our good friend, and uh, she's a counselor at Fieldstone Counseling, Crystal Kershaw, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So you you very sweetly indicated that you've taken time out of your very busy counseling schedule to listen to my podcast series. Mm, I'm enjoying it. Are you really? You're not oh, saying that because you're on the radio? No, I am enjoying it. I'll tell you what I so enjoy about it, Brian, is the authenticity of how you walk and the reality that we are all trying to make sense of our lives in the place that we're at in the situation that we are, and we all approach that at a different level of closeness with our Lord, 
I appreciate that authenticity a lot. It's not it's Thank not you. a fairy story. I say this a lot in counseling. It's not a fairy story. It's not a magical stardust surrounds everything and everything's great. It's more of a real life story. These things happen. We extrapolate things. We make assumptions sometimes oh, yeah. and they're not always correct. And we'll do that, you know, we'll do that as long as we're in our flesh, right? Even though we are spirit-led, we still have to make peace with the fact that we're struggling against these things. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, so if, if, you're, if you haven't caught up on it, we talk about it all the time, but it's my podcast series, The Grandfather Effect, where yeah. I wanted to answer a question of, was my family's preconceived ideas about why we were disowned accurate? Mm-hmm. There's another way to put it that I haven't said before, but yeah. that's essentially it. Yeah. We had a story. Mm-hmm. but it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. This is the thing I'm hearing from people universally. I haven't had one person come up to me and go, I love your podcast series. Can't relate at all. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, right? No one <laughs> Don't has get said it. that to me. That's crazy. People have yeah. said, they actually start sharing their story with me mm-hmm. of how there's something in their in their family history that they just don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's where I applaud you. You're willing to go there. You're willing to ask the questions. Yeah. You're willing and literally asking the questions in the podcast and grappling with answers, not just like, oh, okay. You know, just where was this? What was this about? How did this play out? And you see, applaud him. A counselor. Have you ever thought about a, that? Wow. Or, you ever thought about applauding me? I, I haven't. <laughs> I have not. Oh, wow. I do. <laughs> but I, I think on top of that, Crystal, a lot of people, I think they're not willing to lean into pain and mm-hmm. vulnerability. Yeah. Because they think life is better and easier if you just ignore problems. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. And stuffing emotions, as you've been talking about this morning, um, stuffing emotions is where we're very vulnerable because it's in those places. And this is where, where I'm often talking to people about these things in those places, Satan plants lies, and they're, they're very dangerous lies about who we are, who God is, mm-hmm. what our relationship is with him. And so if we're unwilling to go there and, and lean in and say, what about this, or how did this play out, or what, what was going on here, then, then we can be operating in these lies. And, and we can pass them on to our kids, as you, your conversation yeah. earlier. And it yeah. impacts our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Sure does. Absolutely. Like it's going, uh, to me, it's those, the examining pain in life mm-hmm. that because of my faith in Christ, mm-hmm. it, it informs my view of everything. And then at the end of the day, I didn't mean to, but it becomes an exercise of loving mm-hmm. Christ more. Yeah. It does. It becomes, and it is, an exercise of sanctification. Right? Yeah. It's part of go. learning to depend on him more, even in those really hard places where we never, we, we, we didn't realize we needed to bring them to him. We need to bring them vertically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, one of the, one of the storylines uh, that it's part of my podcast series is one, something I knew, as I said before, out of the gate, that my grandfather passed away from complications of Alzheimer's yeah. and that my dad and, and he disowned my family. And when my dad finally was reconnected with him. It was for medical reasons yeah. because mm-hmm. his dementia was so bad. He mm-hmm. had, he couldn't go home mm-hmm. and he didn't know who my dad was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is about as painful as it's going to get. That moment mm-hmm. I've heard, like when, when they forget who you are, that's so hard. Or they only have little windows of time where yeah. they know who you are. Right. But my dad would even say that there were, he wasn't totally sure. Mm-hmm. Like his dad seemed to recognize him, mm-hmm. but there was a, a measure at which he wasn't totally confident. He did. Mm-hmm. As in his dad was like, I know you, I recognize you, but I don't know why. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how, how often are you encountering folks battling with the, the psychological trauma of caring for someone with dementia? Is it pretty common? It is pretty common because our society is aging and, and our medical technology has made huge strides. And there have been some strides in terms of dementia and some, some progression in terms of treating Alzheimer's. But, but practically, the progression of dementia and Alzheimer's has not been reversed. I mean, we, we are still, you know, it's part of the brokenness of this world. So many people are struggling with it and will struggle with it. I have a very dear loved one that I've been, we've been struggling with it for about eight years. It's, it's hard. It's and it's a slowly developing thing, right? It's slowly developing. It's hard in the beginning because you think like, what? <laughs> um, because short-term memory loss is the first that generally goes. And, and so it can be just wildly difficult to say, oh, wait, this is what's happening. You know, when, when, someone is, when you're used to someone operating cognitively at a high level and being very responsible and able to, to um, you know, navigate and then suddenly strange things happen, and they always happen in these unpredictable ways. It's not linear. Yeah. It's very it's very confusing because in one area, and it, it has to do with the regions of our brain and how they click on. Mm -hmm. And like you said, your, you know, your grandfather with your father, like one region could recognize probably visually what you know, this is someone oh, I know, yeah. but another region, which was in charge of naming that person, yeah. couldn't quite get there. And and that's what happens with most dementias. Someone can be wildly sharp in one area, and then and then you know, completely, completely um, lost in another area. And short term memory loss is very. Um, it's very disconcerting, and it and really does change your everyday patterning of life, right? Um, where What are we doing for dinner? We're going out for dinner. And then the next thing you know, pots and pans are rattling around, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, what's going on? Well, I'm making dinner. Well, no, we're going out for dinner. Well, if someone would tell me, I wish someone would tell me, you know, why do you guys not tell me these things? And And it's so frustrating because they don't have it. You know, you can say, well, we did tell you, you know, we, we yeah. talked about this. They're not but It's not there, right? Yeah. It's not there. They simply do not own that information. And it has and so, to be so hard in that season mm, when you recognize it to kind of get right. to the point where you tell them, hey, I think this is going on. Yes, it is. Because, of course, it's frightening. And the more stress that that individual undergoes yeah. um, a new situation or making peace with a new a new set of losses because they're mourning um, you know it takes a little while until they recognize like I'm not holding everything yeah. anymore then you start to see sometimes a switch but in the beginning uh, lots of anger complete frustration and you can you can empathize and yet it can be very difficult to care for them so how do we help our loved one with dementia? We'll get some practical advice here and some wisdom from our good friend Crystal Kershaw here in just a few minutes. Hey, it's Brian from the Brian Janelle Podcast. You know, a famous poet named William Joel, better known by the name Billy, once said in a song that if you love a woman, you should tell her about it. Common sense, right? Well, 
what we're going to do right now in this podcast episode as we pause is ask you to tell someone about it, it being us. If you love this podcast and you've listened to us on a regular basis, we need your help to spread the word. So pick out a friend or two, maybe your mom, your cousin, your uncle, whoever it is, tell them about the Brian and Janelle podcast. That's one of the best ways for people to find out about great content online. Would you do it? We'd be so grateful. Thanks a lot. Back to the show. With us in studio, our friend Crystal Kershaw from Fieldstone Counseling. We'll get you connected uh, to their organization here in just a few minutes because around here, we are huge fans of counseling. Um, yeah. You're a better person because of counseling, Brian. Well, that's true. Thank you. <laughs> no, but it is true. <laughs> yeah. Just ask my wife. But no, no. And we advocate for this strongly. Yes, we I do. think um, we're in an era where it's much more acceptable, but I, I think followers of Christ and in, in droves need to really throw themselves into this. Yeah. Uh, I think I think lack of dealing with mental health issues keeps us from intimacy with Jesus. Amen. Uh, and yes. I know it's like I've I think I've made seismic leaps in my faith uh, through just dealing with my own problems. Yeah. Uh, and so we're glad to have Crystal here to help us with this. And she, after listening to my podcast series, The Grandfather Effect, one of the storylines is my grandfather's dementia. Uh, his and and his type of dementia was was uh, Alzheimer's, and so. It can be a real challenge walking through this. As a follower of Christ, how do you, like, what are some of your 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 guidance for us and how to deal with this? Because it can be, like, it can make you feel angry. Well, it can make you feel angry, and the person who's suffering will often experience anger because as they come to grips with the fact that they don't have what they wish they had or that they're missing something, it's wildly frustrating. And, of course, it's the frustration not only of this is missing, but but the fear that it might not be coming back. I, I, I mean, it, it's very it's a very different dynamic than thinking, oh, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm overwhelmed lately, but I'm going to get back to normal soon, you know. So maybe I'm forgetting a few things here and there. I got too much on my plate. This is a very different kind of mourning, really, that you have to do and making some peace. So it takes a while, and it takes a while for them to sort it. So mercy is the goal, and I love Hosea 6.6. God desires mercy more than sacrifice. Caring for someone with dementia is a sacrifice. There's no doubt about it. So just call it what it is. Yeah, it, it, it's hard, and, and, and it will not become easy. I mean, there may be easier... Um, sort of seasons as they as they progress. Sometimes it will change over over a space of time. What is in the beginning can be wildly frustrating and even anger producing. Can sometimes become more peaceful and accepting. And then and then you move sometimes into different stages where it it amps up in a different way again. So it's very unpredictable. But mercy is your goal. Now part of the mercy aspect then is understanding that they do not have what they're asking about, which is so hard, right? When someone says something to you eight times in a row, and then on the ninth time, you emotionally react, and they're hurt, it's really hard, Yeah, right? Because you're like, Crystal, because I mean, what you're saying makes sense. The person's not trying to drive you crazy, Mm -mm. but they are going to ask you what day it is, or what, let's just say what day it is, nine times in a row. And then you say... 
It's Friday. How do you do that? Yeah, well, you're going to have to operate in the in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have to pray it through. And that is the tool, I think, that as believers we have to use in these places. As it's happening, we have to be in touch with our Savior and say, Lord, guide my words and guide my communication, because while our intent is not to display, I'm frustrated with you, you're making me crazy, or, you know, enough— we can do that just through the frustration of the moment. So redirecting is good. It's helpful. You know, it's Friday, and we're gonna blah 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 today. Yeah. Um, oh, remember, it's Friday. Or remember is probably not your best word, but oh, by the way, it's Friday. Yeah. And and understanding that they simply don't have that information. Another helpful tool, if you will, is to understand that you do not need to be right here. Yeah. You do not need How much to in be life right. do we need that? Ooh, Hello, that's humble right there. Like, I mean, just in general, yeah. we need that in our lives. Oh, society. Yeah. I need that in my life. Yeah, society, we're all about, I must be right. Yeah. And with someone who has dementia, if you must be right, you probably will not be loving. Yeah. And mercy and, and loving them you know, is your goal. And and generally, many people that are struggling with dementia, these are family members we want to honor. Yeah. And so we have to give that up. Uh, I connected to the being loving and, and more practical ways of showing that. I've heard to not correct right. the person. Right. Can you talk about that? So, for example, in our earlier situation, you know, I wish someone would tell me we're going out for dinner. Nobody tells me these things, blah, blah, blah. You know, your natural tendency is to say, no, no, no. Remember, we said that. Mm-hmm. And so instead, you can say, I'm sorry about that. So let's get ready because okay. we're headed out for pizza. You can you can be the give. You can say, oh, I must have missed that. Yeah. or Or, you know. Oh, oops, let's keep moving, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't have to be right and you don't have to win. Yeah. And you are only stressing them out if you seek to win. Yeah, that's what I've heard with the yeah. stress and, and even making them angry. Yeah. I know you say about mercy and being graceful and all that. Ideally, we want mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is like years and years of caregiving on top of dealing with your own children, your working, mm-hmm. your marriage and all that. What are some routines or resources that you have seen people use success, like most successfully? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it does help to be honest about the struggle. And there are all kinds of resources online for dealing with people with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, it is hard. Alzheimer's is something that is diagnosable by a cluster of different symptoms. Mm-hmm. And if you have PET scans, and but even then, we, we have people who show Alzheimer's plaques on their brain who do not respond in these certain ways. So it's difficult, but you have to understand community is very important. Mm-hmm. What's important to the caregiver and what's important to the person with, with dementia is community, the same thing. And so if you if you have community that you can spend time with, do you have friends that you can, you know, have come over for coffee and and who can understand, who can be present yeah. without having to have very high level conversations or who can care for a caregiver in that way? Yeah. Um, 
if you can, with um, with someone who struggles with dementia, if you can give them practical helps. Some some couples who have this sort of issue will have like a whiteboard, and and they'll write down, "Here's what we're doing today." Right, seven thirty, we're doing this. Eight thirty, we're going here. Nine thirty, because naturally the person who is struggling with loss is going to keep asking, yeah. what are we doing next? Where are we going next? People who struggle with dementia generally depend on one person, and that person, it can be overwhelming. Oh, that's exhausting to even yeah, think about. just overwhelming. And they are very uh, tied to that person. So you want to intentionally find a way to give breaks to that person yeah. while you know while reassuring the, the, the person who's struggling uh, that they are coming back. Mm-hmm. That they are only gone for a few minutes, mm-hmm. um, you know, it won't be long, and and that they can trust that they will be coming back. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many important topics to deal with with dementia, and maybe we'll have to uh, do a segment with an MD about the types of dementia mm-hmm. and all that. But Crystal's area of expertise is helping you walk alongside someone, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and helping you cope. Because there's an aspect of of caring for someone with dementia that is so unique uh, that I want you to address. And it's the idea of the person is physically with you, Mm -hmm. but they slowly disappear. Right. Uh, And so how do you mourn someone that becomes someone you don't recognize, but they're still there? So it's very difficult. We call that pre-mourning. It's the same kind of thing that we that we experience when someone has a terminal illness, we start to understand that this loss is going to continue. What I recommend is that you, first of all, recognize their personality will change. And that's, I think, one of the most difficult things to see. This will not be the same person that you know. You know, the brightest, most organized, most um, detail-oriented person can become so different. And so I think you have to quantify what are the things about this person that you have known and loved, and what of those things can you pre-mourn they are not going to come back? And which ones of those things can you, in a loving way, nurture and remind them about. So, so for example, um, and this happens so often, so, so someone was very good at hospitality and they were a great cook and they loved having people over and, and, and you know, all kinds of wonderful family events took place there. That, they will not be capable of doing that type of thing, but the spirit of hospitality remains in their heart. And so you can talk to them about all of those amazing times. Oh, do you remember that Christmas when we did blah, 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 and you made this blah, 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 and everybody loved that cake and everybody went out. And do you remember then we all played Scrabble and you won? And they probably won't remember, but the heart of that is you were so valuable to our family and you are so valuable to us. We love you. And these are some of the reasons why we continue to love you, they may not remember themselves who they were. Is it possible to go through that mourning process alone? I, well, I don't think that it's wise to. Um, It's wise to do it in some sort of community. So if you can talk to others, but of course, as you pre-mourn, you're, you're, 
listing out these things that that were and are and I think you are really talking to God about that Lord Lord this is who you know this is who this person was and this is where they're at and I need your grace and your wisdom to love them well right here not always hearkening back to what's lost and that's what our natural tendency is to think about what they've lost instead of saying where are they right now now that can be really hard if someone is angry or belligerent or frustrated to find the Christ in them now with a fellow believer you can hearken to that too the faith that is theirs is going to be really deep if they you know if they have walked with Christ even though they are struggling cognitively so some things can trigger that fruit of the spirit that you saw in them and ways that you can bring that up. You know, I remember how well you navigated peacemaking yeah. in our family. Or I remember the gentleness that you showed my kids, you know, when they were when they were little and running around and creating havoc. Or you can hearken back to that sometimes with hymns. Hymns have a very that's neat sticky quality in the brain. And that's why that's why they're so useful to our faith. Because many, many um, individuals who suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's will be able to remember every word of a hymn like Amazing Grace. And then you can talk about that. Isn't that grace amazing? Don't be afraid to talk about heaven. Yeah. Um, heaven is is part, you know, it's a resource of our faith. And these people are looking for when God will redeem what the locusts are eating in their lives right now. And that's going to be heaven. So it's okay to talk about heaven. It's wise to talk about heaven. And, and yet, I, I again, I think there's very few people that are emotionally and psychologically healthy enough to just go it alone, watching their their loved ones oh, slowly disappear oh, in front yeah. of them. No, you need community. Like you need at least a friend. Oh yeah. But yeah. I mean, it would. Why wouldn't you go to but a professional to get help? Right. Yeah. No, and you and you need the body of Christ here. Yeah. And that's where the body of Christ can make a huge difference, even in terms of company for the caregiver. Right. Not yeah. not just problem solving, but just company. Respite and care, just really. a, a little bit of a, a break in their yeah. own day. Um, there are other things that you can do to help as as um, as someone who loves the person with dementia you can do intervention skills you can help without making it very obvious so if you're gonna one one clear sign that dementia and Alzheimer's is starting to take over is disorder like yeah. you open a cabinet and there's you know socks and there's bread and there's you know something that that um, somebody lost a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. So you can help with those things, but do it very gracefully, mm-hmm. right? Wait until until they're out of the house and then do some sorting and do some clearing. Just be, be very cognitive of their emotions. As their intellect starts to wane, sometimes their emotional regulation also wanes, yeah. of course. And and so you want to be very cognizant. Their emotions are very strong still. And, and they, they also don't even quite know they're forgetting. Right. Like exactly. the yeah. the more the disease progresses, the more they aren't aware that they don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. What's the best way to walk our children through it, especially in the beginning when grandparents are first experiencing this and also in a way that we can engage them in the caring without mm-hmm. them being scared? Um, I think you want to be very practical and telling them that that 
first of all, we are seeking mercy and love here. And so we don't, we don't have to correct anyone. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to say, oh, yes, we told you this. What we will do is love them for who we see that they are and yeah. who we know that they have always been. And if you can articulate that in ways that are meaningful, that's going to be a positive, mm -hmm. right? So, so Grandma, I've always loved the fact that you are so kind to me and that you've listened to me or that you are willing to, you know, you had always been so willing to ask me about my life. So I'm going to share my life. You can operate in those places without them even tracking along. Yeah. It will yeah. still be a blessing share life, share experiences, bring them things yeah. that they can enjoy. Look at photos together. Let them tell their stories. Long-term memories are generally fairly oh, strong yeah. until quite a, a long way in the process. So if they see a photo, they could generally tell you what's going on with that. Can we teach our children to listen? And can we tell them that there is a great deal of respect and honor in just oh, hearing yeah. Yeah. their stories? Uh, Novella on Facebook wants to know, is music therapy helpful and what's the best way to use it? Um, I think music therapy can be very helpful in terms of reminding them of the strengths of their faith and sometimes just helping them get unstuck. What happens in mm -hmm. Alzheimer's is often that you're stuck in one place. Mm -hmm. So if you can get them to focus and redirect in a different way, okay. and focus is hard for someone with Alzheimer's. So, so you know, it can be an excellent redirect tool. Uh, and of course, hymns can speak yeah. truths and singing together is quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. It engages your lungs, it helps your brain get more oxygen. And again, you're just singing truth. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. With us, Crystal Kershaw, Fieldstone Counseling. We're talking about helping a loved one with dementia, how to care for them well. Uh, and we had a question come in, I think that's really key and, and it ties to some comments we've been seeing. And it's how do we balance the scales and make good decisions uh, when our mental health is impacted by their declining mental health? Now, my grandfather experienced Alzheimer's, but uh, there's many forms of dementia. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of you with really good questions about like diagnosis and treatment and such that it's just not what we're talking about today because none of us are qualified for those mm -hmm. kind of things. Yeah. But we ought to have uh, Dr. David Fisher, who was on my podcast. We should yeah. bring him on the show mm -hmm. to talk about this. I think that'd, that'd be really be helpful. My wife and I have chatted about this at length because mm -hmm. of my story. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has a really good question on this. I'd love your insights on And it's like, how do you know as you care for a loved one with dementia, that the pain it's causing you to care for them is so much so that it's best for everyone that they be in a memory care facility. I think it really, it depends on where the caregiver themselves, where their perspective lies and what their overall sense of responsibility shapes up around. So for example, we often see this with couples where one one spouse is caring for another spouse who has dementia or Alzheimer's. Wound up in that caregiving are so many messages about about marriage, about loyalty, about godliness often in a Christian marriage, about what it means to walk together. So we cannot make those judgment calls from the outside and address those things. 
um, I think they have to be willing to address them themselves. Now, when safety becomes an issue and when you feel like you are not as helpful like the the concept, and it's often about how long can they stay home? How long can they be in a in a place where they're familiar with their surroundings? When you get to a certain point, it becomes somewhat clear that that isn't the comfort that it once was. And that's when you start having those conversations. and And families approach this very differently. Whenever someone with dementia or Alzheimer's makes a move, it's going to cause a great deal of stress, and it is going to um, set them back in terms of where they're at. So you have to really weigh many different factors in it. Your health, of course, your mental health as a caregiver is very important. This is why we have to have community and the body of Christ, because we do have to have breaks. We have to have other people surrounding us. We have to have social input. And so does the person with Alzheimer's. It's it's interesting. They will withdraw socially. You can see that very clearly. Often you you can sort of see in social situations there's kind of a blank look or yeah. a blank stare, and they will not engage conversationally because that's very risky if yeah. you can't hold comments, you know, if you can't hold yeah. on to what someone says. So, but they they also become lonely, yeah. And and so behind yeah. that stare, you know, there's loneliness. So so there's so many different factors involved. There's not kind of a hard and a fast rule. I think it requires a lot of prayer. I think it requires a lot of um, discernment, and that's the Holy Spirit working through and in you. And I think you're asking Lord the Lord, tell me when. Tell me when and tell me how and tell me what's best in terms of being merciful. Now, sometimes there are fire risks, you know, if someone continues to try to cook or something like that, or there can be risks that they will drive, um, you know, those are very, uh, very, you know, important risks to consider or that they will wander off. So there, there, there have to be decisions along the way in terms of this is where we're at now. Now... We need to lock the doors, right? And now we need to maybe um, help by having someone come in for a few hours a day and, and allowing the caregiver to go, you know, to, yeah. to go out. And yet um, to, to, to drill down deeper, though, I, I think we create a false choice in, in this, in that it's like, well, it, let's say it's your spouse. Well, this is my wife. I have to, to care oh, for her yeah. myself or it's not loving or I give up. That's that's a false choice. No, it's a false choice. But those are choices that have to be individually made, right? Well, but wait, but when you're watching like your dad suffer caring for your mom, like and unnecessarily so, when they could go visit a facility every day, right? Like, how do you go to that person and help them see that they're unnecessarily torturing themselves caring for someone? Well, the problem is they may not see it as torture. Their perspective may be that they are living out a call. So Oof, it's a hard, objective hard, call to make. It's very hard. Because I just be say, wrong. I'm just saying you can't, you can't dive in yeah. um, because you don't know where their perspective is. So having conversations about it is important. How do you have that conversation well, in a way that doesn't sound judgmental? Right. So, so I think what you need to do is say... We're at a point now where I think we should talk about, you know, some of the particularities. Dad, what do you think? 
What do you think? What's happening? Um, the person who's caregiving will have a need of telling someone, like, these are the things that are happening. And as they share, then you can come in and say, well, you know, I'm here to help you process these things and talk over when it will be wisdom to make some choices. So you're asking questions. You're not making declarations. Right. You're not saying it's time to put mom in a home. You're right. saying, um, can you help me understand better what's happening, how this is affecting you? Right. When do you think we'll know it's time for right. mom to go to a facility? Exactly. And what do you feel about about when it will be time to make a switch? How, how are you quantifying that? What could I do to make that easier for you to make mm -hmm. that decision? And so unless mm -hmm. uh, safety is an issue, the final decision belongs to the caregiver, whether or not you agree. I believe it does. Oh, now, as a family yeah. unit, you need to talk it through. Yeah. If that caregiver is also starting to suffer on some level, then, you know, you. this is where families have to work through teamwork. And, yeah. and, and then to say, you know, how can we be of help? And when will it be enough or yeah. when will it be too much? Can we start looking at yeah. some memory care facilities? You brought up uh, driving and mm -hmm. the safety there. That one's so hard because mm. it's usually early. Mm -hmm. And you're taking something so foundational to their freedom, their independence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can you walk that through in a way that's assertive, but like graceful and loving? So you want to do substitution. So if you take away, you want to replace. So you want mm. to say, oh, you know, I've lined up, you know, uh, Sue is going to take you um, to Bible study and to church, you know, mm -hmm. and and so you're not going to need your car anymore. Yeah. So I'm going to um, handle that. Yeah. Now, if you can also tie that into a blessing somehow, somebody else in the family could use that car. It doesn't mean you're taking their car away. Yeah. Um, but you could say, well, Jim could really use an extra car. His mm -hmm. kids are all starting to drive and blah, blah, blah. If you can tie that to a blessing, it seems like you don't need your car because Sue is going to help you when you go to the doctor. Yeah. So, but Jim could really, really be blessed by having an extra car around. Um, so, can we agree that this will? Now, like they may that. not agree. Um, <laughs> you yeah, may have right. to sort of work that around, and it may take a few conversations. We're just about out of time. I did get a sweet text from my friend Ginny. She said, a wonderful conversation this morning. Working in an assisted living building, we see how many different ways dementia and Alzheimer's presents. Mm -hmm. I wish all of our families could hear your program. She said, it's loving them where they are with dignity and respect. Amen. Well Amen. said, Ginny. Thanks for the mm -hmm. text. And now, since we're talking about how it's really talking to caregivers today yeah. and about caregivers, yeah. we strongly encourage you to not walk that road alone. Right. And we oh, strongly no. encourage you to get professional counseling care in these mm -hmm. situations, an mm -hmm. objective third party mm -hmm. to help you not only process, but make decisions and all that. Uh, and counseling is a wonderful way to do that. Yes. How can folks get connected to Fieldstone Counseling if this is something really connecting to their soul today? Um, go to fieldstonecounseling.org. That's our website. We have intake forms. Yes, it really helps to process through these are crazy making cycles. Yeah. And and so it helps to process through and have someone say, mm, yes, I understand and let's work in this place. Let's help you walk through so that you can be more prepared to walk through wisely with them. Don't go alone. We're not designed for that. No, yes, not we are at not. All. The Lord did not design us for that. Right. And then we well, we will commit to you. We're going to reach out to our friend, Dr. David Fisher. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. author of a book called How to Keep 
mom and yourself out of a nursing home and he deals with dementia. He was featured in my podcast as well, The Grandfather Effect. For more information and to hear our family journey with dementia, again, uh, text the word podcast to 440-546-2255. Thanks again, Crystal. Thank you. Love having you here. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, if you like what you hear on a weekly basis, we'd be grateful for your ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And also subscribe so you get the latest episodes. Follow us wherever you are on social media and search for us online. We're at brianandjanelle.org. Don't miss our weekday morning show with conversations just like this. You can listen on the Moody Radio mobile app or again at our website, brianandjanelle.org. Special thanks to the talented team of individuals who tirelessly put together this podcast every week, Josue Villa, Mike Reynolds, and Ron Eastwood. The Brian and Janelle Podcast is a production of WCRF Moody Radio Cleveland. Until next time, we're Brian and Janelle.